There it is. Alright, moving on. Did the microphone kick me too? I've been a sports fan my entire life because all of my friends are horrible people. Yes, Cam had a very bad game. Can we get that on tape? Get that overrated piece of crap out of this conversation. <laughs> are you sure you want this on tape? That's what I was transitioning to. Big time Timmy Jim Crystal Bartello Cologne. A lot of tears and a lot of beers. I can't argue with anything you say. Hello and welcome to another episode of Late Night Shots. Uh, that silence you hear coming across from the other side of the table. It's actually not Alex for once, because there's no one there. It's just me tonight. Uh, so we'll do one of those recap preview of all the games, because it's a little bit quicker with just one person. And we'll jump into it with the mulligan. Uh, there's a couple good choices this week. And I don't know what it is with players in the NFL or why they think it's okay to punch people. But uh, Texans rookie Ross Blaylock or Blacklock got tossed in like the first quarter uh, for punching a guy in the Texans-Ravens game. J.J. Watt came out and said it was stupid and selfish. Um, usually punching a guy, that's going to be like the worst thing you could do that weekend, right? Enter the Falcons. Just hold my beer. So 28-3, to all that stuff. Not enough for the Falcons. They just want to come out and see if they can do something else insanely historic. So in NFL history, teams that have scored 39 points and not turned the ball over since 1933 were 440 and 0. Enter the Falcons. So they go up 20 nothing early, quick, because Dallas keeps turning the ball over. It's 20 nothing in the first quarter. Atlanta's up. It's looking rough for Dallas after that disappointing loss last week. And even talking to Josh Cook, our resident Cowboys fan, who's been on here a couple times, he doesn't even want to watch the game anymore. It's just so ugly. It's one of those games where it's that bad. You just don't want anything to do with your team. Dallas tries to make a little bit of a run. Uh, they score. Give up a score. Score. Give up a score. It's 29-10 at halftime. But then they score two quick touchdowns to start the third quarter. And now they're only down five. Uh, they do give up another touchdown and a field goal, so they're down 15. They have like a 2% chance to win, according to those uh, stat cast, game percent, win percentage models you'll see. And like I said earlier, 444 and 0 when a team scores 39 points and no turnovers. So 39 points, no turnovers. That's where the Falcons are at with a 15-point lead with seven minutes or something left. And here comes Dallas. They score a touchdown. They go for two, don't get it. Score a touchdown again. And now there's just about two minutes left in the game. It's just inside the two-minute warning. And you see something that you don't see very often, if that makes sense. They go to do the onside kick, and the guy just lays the ground on the ball sideways. Huh, that's, that's pretty interesting. You don't see that very often. Well... It's because he was trying to get this funky spin on the ball. Where you think about it, if you lay a football down and you put more pressure on one half than the other, when you push it, it's going to kind of roll sideways. So he aims it towards the sideline, kicks it, and lets it roll, and it starts going. It looks like it's going to be short. Definitely going to be short. But then because of that pressure on the ball, it starts spinning upfield. So the rule is the kicking team cannot touch the ball until it's gone 10 yards, or else it's a penalty and the receiving team just gets the ball. Well, Atlanta has two, three guys standing there just watching it at five yards, six yards, seven yards, eight yards, nine yards. Yep, 
10 yards. They just watch it. I don't know what they're thinking. Like, it's not a punt. You can't just watch the ball. It finally gets to 10 yards. Dallas pounces on it. Dallas gets the ball off this onside kick and now has a chance to go down and win the game. They go about 25, 30 yards, get in field goal range, and boom, kick the game winner to win 40-39. to 39. Just one of the most historic, insane comebacks you'll ever see in your life. And I don't think anybody expected this at the start of the game. For Dallas to be down 20, for Atlanta with, like they're not managed great, defense isn't great, obviously they give up 40 points and three quarters, but they have a really good offense. Like Julio, Calvin Ridley, uh, Russell Gage has looked incredible. I mean, part of this loss has got to go on Julio for dropping that wide open, beautiful touchdown pass from Russell Gage. I don't know what it is about Falcons' third receivers, but they throw the ball fantastic. Uh, Mohamed Sonu always had trick plays, and he threw beautiful deep balls. Uh, Gage did the same thing, and Jones dropped it. But what it comes down to is Dallas is 1-1 one and one in a division that looks very winnable, especially with... The Eagles can't stay healthy. Saquon's done for the year. We'll get to that a little bit later. And the football team is the football team. Like, they're not going to win the division, regardless of what kind of, um, like, sweetheart storybook thing it would be with Ron Rivera and his overcoming fighting cancer during the season. But it's just not something that's going to happen. So, really, this division is Dallas's, and getting a win like this is huge. Uh, on the other side, Atlanta falls to 0-2, and just the mulligan falls right into their hands. I don't know what they were thinking on that last play, but not falling on the ball gives them the mulligan of the week. And that mulligan is brought to you by Homestead Farm and Golf in Lynn, Washington. They want to remind you that get out there and take advantage of this weather while you still can. Looks like it might be raining soon, but they still got a good deal throughout the remainder of September. Uh, you can play 18 with a cart for $35 during the week. And once it gets to October, let's at the middle of middle end of next week, prices will go down. Uh, head in there to get some of that good golf, 18 holes with a cart, 35 bucks, you know, good deal. And get 20% off apparel through the end of the month, excluding shoes. Or maybe get some nice hats. You can get any Shrixen hat for 15 bucks, Nikes for 20 and Tiger Woods hats, which are really nice, for 25 bucks. Um, and you might as well just get that membership while you're there. You get the benefits of the remainder of 2020 is free with the purchase of a 2021 membership. Might as well take some Canadian money in there because they take Canadian at par when it's cash for your membership. So head into Homestead for all your golfing needs. And the story of week two, we kind of, Alex and I talked about last week that there weren't any like super impressive games on the schedule. Lots of good games. It's just, you didn't have those big matchups. We wanted to say Chargers-Chiefs, big matchup, but with Phillip Rivers being gone, you don't know what you're going to get there. It just didn't pop out. And just none of the games really popped. And it kind of didn't matter, and it's maybe a good thing, because the story of Week 2 was injuries. It was insane. There's an article on ESPN about how the injuries from Week 2 and the 21 most impactful injuries. That's insane. And there was even more on Sunday night and Monday night. Like, more injuries happened. There were so many guys that got hurt. You could make, like, arguably a Pro Bowl roster out of the injuries. You have your top two picks for most fantasy drafts and Saquon and McCaffrey. And I don't know what it is with these injuries or why they're happening, but 
one of our listeners listeners brought up a good point in his question for the week from Landon Seitzma is, do you think all the injuries this year are due to the shorter training camps and no preseason games? And that has to be part of it. You have all these guys coming in, and you know they're not ready to play. They're not sharing preseason camps or training camps with other teams. Normally that's a big part of it, so guys are kind of more intense with it. Um, going up against other teams, it's like extra preseason games almost with the inner squad practices and things like that. Four preseason games, yeah, maybe it's too much, but what that does is get all your backup guys reps you get to cut down your team and actually see what you have because a lot of times guys who have been cut a couple times figure it out and turn into great players. Um, so you know who your backups are that can help you. And just it helps the starters get loose, get warmed up, and you don't see a bunch of the soft tissue injuries like hammies, uh, groin pulls, things like that where it's easy to pull if you are not all the way stretched out. And seeing these guys try and go 100% so early into the season without real warm-up just was not a great idea. And I think it's 100% the reason why we're seeing these injuries is due to those shorter training camps and no preseason games, Landon. And it's just, it's got to be the reason for it. Um, and you start going through this list of the guys who got injured and start with the Niners. They lost Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas, their starting D-tackle and D-end, both to torn ACLs. And it's it's hard to go through the extent and the list of all the the Niners injuries. But what was it? The running back got hurt. The quarterback got hurt. Wide receiver got hurt. Starting and backup centers both got hurt. A couple more guys got hurt. They lost like eight starters during the game and some backups. And then they beat the Jets by 18. That's, I don't know if that's saying a lot about the Jets, if they just went up early, but of course, the Jets can still lose so bad like that, and it's insane. But the biggest injury of the week has got to go to Saquon, tearing his ACL. And it didn't even look that bad. A lot of the times you see a guy tear up his knee, and it's like the Bosa one where like, the toe gets caught or his foot gets caught somehow, and the knee bends funny. Saquon, it just looked like he stepped a little funky and like, oh, maybe that's probably like a knee sprain or something. Uh, he didn't have to get carted off. That's normally a good sign. Nope, torn ACL. Saquon's done for the year, which that's rough for the Giants because they really don't have a lot. And then a little bit later in the afternoon, you see that McCaffrey sprains his ankle. And it sounds like it's going to be around a month, maybe a little bit more. you got to think the Panthers are going to take it very slow with him. There's no reason to push McCaffrey back, especially when you're chasing the Saints and the Bucks. Um, regardless of how they've looked the first two weeks of the season, you got to think as the season warms up and these guys are starting to get into it a little bit more that they're just going to be too hard to catch. There's no reason for the Panthers to push McCaffrey back. Um, and a high ankle sprain, it can really mess with you for a lot of the year, um, especially with a running back with his kind of technique and skill set out of the backfield. There's no reason to push him back. And... The injuries keep going on. Drew Locke sprains his AC joint in his shoulder. He's out for like a month. Uh, one of his top targets, was it, uh, Cortland Sutton, who's probably their best receiver, tears his ACL. He's out for the year. Jimmy G mentioned him earlier, the quarterback for the Niners. High ankle sprain. He's going to try and play through it, but it's just probably not a great idea. Uh, Devontae Adams, don't know if it's significant or not. Haven't seen that yet, but 
he just did not look good. Only caught three passes. He's got a bum ankle and then a bum hamstring. Might as well sit him out. They have a bye in week five. Um, sit him for week three, week four. Let him heal up good in week five. He gets almost a full month to recover. And for the Packers, you might as well let him sit. Minnesota looks bad. Detroit looks bad. Chicago is Chicago. So Green Bay can limp their way through the season. Just kind of make sure everybody's healthy when it gets to the end because you know they're in the playoffs already. Uh, Ravens looks like they lost Tavon Young again. Uh, missed all the last season with a neck injury. Looks like he's going to miss this season most likely with a knee injury. Um, it's not good for the Ravens because it looks like Jimmy Smith might be a little bit hurt also. Um, but at least they have Marlon Humphrey and I can't even remember my own team's corners. Marcus Peters. And then the one that hurts the most from a fan perspective, to me at least, is Malik Hooker going down with a torn Achilles. Uh, tore his ACL and MCL as a rookie, tore his meniscus in 2019, and now he tears his Achilles this year. He just The guy cannot stay healthy, which is too bad because he just kind of continues the line of safeties playing for the Colts who look like they're phenomenal, back to Bob Sanders. Yeah, Bob Sanders. But they just can't stay healthy. And it really stinks for Hooker. Um, they declined his fifth-year option, so he can't stay healthy. He's going to he's gonna find a job next year, but he's not going to make a lot of money, and it's just we really hope this guy can stay healthy. Uh, Brandon Scherf for the football team. He's got a bum knee. Byron Jones, corner for the Dolphins. He's out with a groin injury. Raheem Mostert sprained his MCL. Tyra Taylor. This one was the weird one, like right before the game starts. He has chest pains and has to go to the hospital. Justin Herbertson, he thought it was a joke, but he finished with a great game. He almost beat the Chiefs. Anthony Barr, linebacker for the Vikings, he's out with a shoulder injury. He's going to be out for a few games at least. Uh, center for the Jags, knee injury. Guard for the Eagles, Isaac Suomalu, he's out with a knee injury. Paris Campbell, receiver for the Colts, is out with a knee injury. Uh, sounds like it's probably a significant one. Uh, not an ACL tear, but it's a PCL injury. He's probably going to be out like six weeks or something. Uh, Caleb McGarry just continues the the line of Falcons offensive linemen getting hurt. He's going to be out. It's only going to be a couple weeks, but you just really hope that a giant tackle with a knee injury can fight through it. Um, and then bad news came in for the Seahawks. Uh, sounds like they lost two guys to the season in Bruce Irwin or Bruce Irvin and Marquise Blair. Um, they both need ACL surgery, so their season's over. Um, Seahawks look good at 2-0, and but losing two guys like that is not good for them. Uh, you got a guard for the Rams, Noteboom. He's got a calf injury. Cam Akers got hurt with ribs. Malcolm Brown got hurt with a bum finger. <laughs> it's not looking good for the Rams, even though they got a nice win. Uh, surprise, surprise here, Wolf Fuller has a bum hammy. That happens a lot. That guy's just full of soft tissue injuries. And then... Like you get through 21 injuries plus some more, and you still got guys like Malcolm Butler, Dory Jackson, Chidobi Awuzi, Jonathan Joseph, Brashard Perriman, like at least big name guys or people you've heard of that are hurt and missing time. We saw like 30 guys get hurt this week, and it seemed like for a while to start red zone that it was just every time they cut to a game, it wasn't for scoring, it was for an injury. And all the way back to Landon's question at the beginning, it's got to be from the shortened training camps, the no preseason. These guys just aren't ready 
for a full game. And part of it is, yeah, freak injuries happen. But when you're in great shape and you're flexible because you're warmed up, you can bend a little bit more. Uh, that knee gets bent over, and you've seen it. Well, I remember one with like Teddy Bruschi where he gets bent over backwards, and he was just fine. Being flexible, being warmed up really helps. But a bunch of these guys are hurt, and it's just not a good look for the NFL. And I know a lot of people have said they're not watching. I don't know if it's true or not. But uh, Jared Whitman wants to know, should we quit watching the NFL? Why or why not? Personally, I think people who are complaining about watching the NFL and have said they're not going to watch it, I think it's dumb. Um, You can watch games and not hear about any of this stuff. And yeah, people are speaking out. Some people don't know what they're talking about. You can make the argument that pro athletes just need to, I don't, not shut up and dribble with the whole LeBron James thing, but at least be informed before you talk. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. You can say what you want, but just be informed about what you're talking about. And as a fan, if you disagree with what people are saying, that's fine. I understand that, but this is an entertainment league. Um, I'm not watching these guys because I care about what their political statements are. If you want to wear something, represent a name, it's fine. Just be informed. Um, if you're going to make a big deal because your lineman decided to change the name on the back of his helmet and honor some military guys and you get upset about that as a teammate, then I think that's something that's definitely wrong. And I can see not following that kind of team anymore with the whole Villanueva situation um, in Pittsburgh. But as long as the players are informed, say what you want. Um, if you really oppose it enough that you're not going to watch anymore, I guess that's fine. Um, I don't know if it's just because I got two crazy loud kids running around all the time. I don't hear what they're saying a bunch of the time on TV anyway, so I'm just watching the games. Um, you could go the route that a lot of people do when they're watching NBA games, and it's like the home team stream for a team you don't want to watch because NBA announcers are horrible homers. You can just mute it. Um, if you're a football fan, chances are you've watched enough. You don't really need to see or don't need to hear it to know what's going on. You can just watch the game. Sometimes that's more fun anyway because then you can watch the game and not get distracted by what they're saying, even if it is football related. Um, but personally, I think everyone should keep watching football. It's not going to go away. I think it was like five straight years ratings had gone up. I don't know what it's going to be like for this year. We talked about how the first game of the year, the Thursday night game, was lower rated than last year. But that was Bears-Packers. Like It's not going to be a higher rated game than that. Um, especially when you're pulling in the Texans who just don't have a primetime market. Outside of Texas, people just don't really watch Houston. Um, so you're not getting teams to tune in for that. So yeah, Jared, I think you should keep watching football. If you don't want to, I understand. But I think everybody should. It's fine. I think over the weekend I texted a different Landon, Landon Proska, who's on the podcast sometimes. You know, Kirk Cousins' biggest fan who was actually proven right for once this week to let him know because last week they made comments, the the NFL did, about coaches needing to wear their masks during games. It's understandable if you take them off a little bit to make a play call or whatever, but you can't just be standing there with your mask off. Uh, I think Harbaugh got warned about it amidst a bunch of other coaches. And during the game last night, the Hawks-Patriots game, I text Landon, it's like, 
Pete Carroll's going to get fined for this, right? He's just over and over standing there chewing his gum like a cow or a frog or whatever you want to say and just not wearing his mask. And it came out today that he was one of three coaches to be fined. Uh, Denver's Vicks Fangio, along with Carroll and the Niners' Kyle Shanahan, were each fined $100,000 for not wearing masks. And to go along with that, each team got fined a quarter million. So that's just over a million in fines that was handed out to those three teams, in large part to the memo that was sent out just last Monday saying, wear your face coverings on the sideline or you're going to get disciplined. And it happened quick. And it sounds like there's probably going to be more because often during the game tonight, the Saints-Raiders game, both guys were not wearing masks a lot of the time. And back to if you agree, believe, support, whatever it is with COVID and covering up or whatever, it's like going into a store. They tell you to wear one or you're not allowed in. Kind of have to do it because that's their rule. Same thing with the NFL. You may not like it. You may not want to do it, all that stuff. But if your boss tells you to do something, you do it or you go somewhere else. None of these coaches are going anywhere else. Complaining about it, it's not going to do anything because then you see them all anti-mask and the majority of the loud population is against that. So you just kind of have to put your mask on. Whether you want to go Andy Reid style and just have that big old shield on your face, whether you fog it or defog it or not, I mean, or if you're going to go like Harbaugh and just wear the, the gator, I think is what it's called. Just pull it up over your nose, which they're pretty thin and they're not that hard to breathe through. Just go one of those two routes. You don't have to wear like the real mask or you can kind of cheat like Belichick and roll it up. So it just perches on your nose and your mouth's covered, but it's not really covered. There's ways to get around it while still having it on. And maybe after five guys potentially getting fined this week, the NFL will see more guys wearing them. Um, but I don't really want to talk about Corona or any of that crap anymore because it just upsets me and bugs me. And I'd rather talk about football because, sorry, Jared, I actually like watching it. Um, yeah, just jump in. We'll start with the Monday night game. It just happened. And I don't know what's going on with the Saints. Maybe this whole no preseason short training camps is hurting the older quarterbacks because – Think about it. As you get older, it takes time to warm up. Like I think about it on the golf course. I can't just step on the first tee and hammer driver without warming up anymore. I'm not 21. I can't do that anymore. It's probably the same thing for quarterbacks like Brady, like Breeze. Even these guys who are just in their early mid-30s, much less in their 40s like Brady and Breeze, like you need that time to warm up to get the game reps in, to get back up to game speed. And Breeze just hasn't had the opportunity to do that yet. Uh, he's had two lower accuracy games, at least for him. Didn't look great tonight. Uh, and the Raiders just kind of took it to the Saints in the second half. It was 17-17 at half, thanks to a late Raiders field goal to end the first half. Uh, Darren Waller had a big game, 12 catches for 100 yards. Uh, Josh Jacobs only went for 88 on 27 carries. Didn't have a great game. But the Raiders did enough to get the win. Nice 10-point win. So they're 2-0 and now. Um, and you got to think with that extra playoff spot on both sides, seven teams going instead of six. Starting 2-0, and that's a huge advantage. Um, starting 2-0 and in a regular season is a big advantage. Like Those teams have a good shot at the playoffs. But starting 2-0 and with that extra spot available, 
it's really nice. And the Raiders being able to do that in their new stadium, that's looking pretty good for them. Um, and then we had an odd thing happen with the Thursday night game and the Sunday night game, and that they were the same score. Both of them ended up 35-30. Home team won both games. Uh, Browns beat the Bengals on Thursday night. Mayfield looked better, but that happens when you're playing the Bengals instead of the Ravens. Uh, Burrow, I don't know what Cincinnati was thinking, really. Yeah, they were down, but they weren't ever really down a lot. Uh, 7-3 after the first, 21-13 at halftime, 28-16 at the end of the third quarter, like it's still time to run the ball. Instead, they have Burrow throw 61 times. Burrow threw the ball 61 times, and they only ran it with Mixon 16 times. There's something wrong with that. Um, Cleveland's rush defense is okay. It's nothing special. But you just can't let your rookie throw the ball 61 times, especially in a short week. I don't know what the Bengals are thinking. You can take... like. I don't, I'm not sure. How to, like, you took Marvin Lewis out of the Bengals, but you can't take Marvin Lewis out of your coaching. I don't know what it is. It's just not smart by uh, Zach Taylor, the new coach there. Maybe he's not a good coach. He probably shouldn't have that job. He got it just because he knows Sean McVay. It was one of those things, and it doesn't make a lot of sense. But good for the Browns getting that win, especially after a terrible first week. Uh, I think something similar happened last year where they got destroyed by the Titans, and then they came out and won uh, soon after that. But it's just nice jump start for them to get to one and one. And of course, the Bengals stink. Had to take a break for some nice Jim Beam Black right there. Uh, not that we're sponsored by anybody, but wouldn't that be awesome? Uh, getting to some of the injury games. I mean, games. Uh, Bears win 17 13 because Saquon goes down in the first. When you're trying to win a game without Saquon and you really don't have any other weapons, it's kind of difficult, even if it is Trubisky. So somehow the Bears are 2 0 now. Thanks to the Lions being the Lions and the Giants losing one of the best running backs in the NFL. Uh, Already went over the Cowboys game, somehow winning right there. Uh, Even Dak Prescott had a big game. He had three rushing touchdowns, I think. Uh, They would get to the one and he would just run it in. Uh, So great for anybody who had Dak on their fantasy team, but not for people who had Zeke because you think with 40 points for the Cowboys, Zeke would have more than a touchdown, yet that's all he had. Uh, Packers, huge game from Aaron Jones. 18 carries, 168 yards, four catches for 68 yards, uh, two on the ground and one through the air. So he has 236 yards and three touchdowns. Monster game right there. Uh, and they beat the Lions 42-21. to 21. Uh, Packers are probably just going to run away with this division. Or the Bears will be weird and Trubisky will go like 9-7 and seven and give them hope and he'll stick around and it sucks to be a Bears fan. And it almost happened again in Tennessee with Minshew running into a win almost. Uh, they were down 24-10 to 10 at halftime. They're still down by two scores going into the fourth. Uh, Minshew rallies back, bang, bang, two touchdowns in a row, and they're tied at 30-30. to 30. But Tannehill threw four touchdowns. Goskowski actually made a field goal at the end again. Uh, he makes it when it counts, I guess, after missing another extra point. I think another field goal also. I don't know what's going on with Goskowski, but it seems like the Patriots cut him for a reason. He's not having a great year, and to be a successful team, at least through the playoffs, like you need your kicker to do good, and it's not looking great for him. Missing extra points is never good. 
Uh, oh, no, that was all he missed was the extra point. He went two for two and three for four on extra points. So a little bit better, but he misses that extra point. And because of that, it's 30 to 30 at the end of the game instead of them being up by one. Um, it's a little rough there, but hey, Titans get it done. A win's a win. They're 2-0 and now. Um, it's kind of nice seeing all these teams jump out to 2-0 records. Even if it's ugly, hey, you've got there and that's what matters. It's like in baseball. It doesn't matter if it's a blooper. If it uh, just barely gets by the shortstop, a hit's a hit. A win's a win. Team that's looking for a win and it's been looking ugly is the Vikings. They're 0-2. Cousins has a trash game. Throws for like 110 yards and three picks. Um, and really, the game was open for them. Uh, the Colts just kept kicking field goals over and over and over. It was 18 to three. Um, yeah, 18 to three. Because they just wanted to kick field goals, I guess. Um, Rodrigo Blankenship has four field goals. Great game for him. Colts look like they got a decent kicker right there now after Vinatieri lost out the job in training camp to him. Um, another one of those older quarterbacks. You have to wonder if Phillip Rivers, if it's being on a new team, being old, what's going on with him. But just trying to, trying to get into it. Uh, finding that kind of relationship with guys like T.Y. Hilton. Um, there's not a lot of other people there that have experience. Like you look at their top three receivers in the game other than Hilton, who only had three for 28. It's Mo Ali cox five for 111. Michael Pinton Jr., four for 37. And Zach Pascal, three for 19. Not guys you would expect to see at the top of a stat line for receiving. But hey, Philip Rivers is passing it around decent enough. Jonathan Taylor went over 100 yards, even though it was under four yards to carry. But the Colts get the win, um, get off the schneid, even though it's just one and one now for the season. But the Vikings fall to 0-2, and that means you're two games back on two different teams. Bears are 2-0, Packers are 2-0, not looking good for the Vikings. Uh, Bills got a scare in Miami. Miami seems to play the best team in the division good when they're playing in Miami. Uh, and the Bills only win by three, 31-28. Josh Allen throws for 417 yards and four touchdowns. Diggs has 153 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Fitzpatrick just kind of tried to will them into this game, but he couldn't get past Josh Allen and his stiff arm ability and just running dudes over. And I don't know what was going on there, but it was pretty impressive on that run, uh, even though I think he fumbled it. But it's Josh Allen. That's what he does. Bills jumped to 2-0. Dolphins are 0-2. Uh, talked about the Niners and the Jets. Niners get the win. They needed it after kind of getting spanked by the Cardinals last week. They win 31-13. And the Eagles, the Eagles look bad. They lose 19-37 to to the Rams. Uh, even with the Rams losing Cam Akers to a rib injury, um, Rams still win by 18. At least Miles Sanders had a good game for the Eagles. Uh, 95 yards, 20 carries, and a touchdown. Did some work through the air, too. The Eagles, it looks rough there. Team's not healthy. Offensive line can't stay healthy. Good luck naming three guys who can catch the ball that aren't a tight end on that team. You got like Boston Scott and yeah, not very many people. Uh, Steelers jump out to a 26-21 win over the Broncos where it really seemed like they were going to run away with this game. 
Uh, they're up seven nothing. Drew Lock gets hurt, and Jeff Driscoll comes in and actually leads a decent charge and almost gets them in position to win this game. But Big Ben comes through with the win. Connor goes for over 100 yards thanks to a long run at the end of the game. Uh, Deontay Johnson almost has 100 yards, the young receiver for Pittsburgh. And it looks like Pittsburgh's found some new weapons because Johnson and Claypool both have been having nice starts to the season. And then you got Landon over there, Carolina Panthers fan, missing Cam Newton, who looks pretty darn good for New England. But Teddy Bridgewater just hasn't looked great for Carolina. 33 for 42, yeah. No touchdowns, two picks. Not good. Uh, Buccaneers win 31-17. Get their first win after losing to the Saints last week. Uh, bright spot is DJ Moore had 120 yards, so that was pretty good. But Fournette goes over 100 yards for Tampa after being cut from Jacksonville, which is kind of crazy. Uh, football team loses 15-30 to to the Cardinals. That's going to be funny every time to me. I don't know if it is to you guys, but hearing just football team, it's like when you're making a team in a video game, whether it's college or NFL, and you just leave it there. And it's like, hey, professional football team. Or when it's a player and it's like Joe Rookie, something like that. Uh, Cardinals just spank the football team. It was 20 nothing at halftime. Uh, Kenyon Drake, 20 for 86. Kyler Murray had a nice game. Ran the ball pretty well, too. DeAndre Hopkins, like, they got such a great deal for getting him. You get rid of a running back, get a new running back in who's doing pretty good. I don't know if in the same situation, if he's as good as Johnson. But Kenyon Drake, hey, he's doing good. It's contract year. He's only 26, so it's the right time for them to have him. And Cardinals are now 2-0, and Washington's 1-1, and just tied for the division lead now. Game of the week, probably at least until Sunday night, was the Chiefs-Chargers game. Uh, when Herbert found out he was starting, he thought it was a joke, but he ended up having a great game. Like, first guy in the last 30 years to throw and run for a touchdown in the first half. 22-33, uh, of 33, so nice 67%, 311 yards, and that one touchdown. But Chiefs show why they're defending Super Bowl champs. They score 11 in the fourth to come back and tie the game, set it to overtime. Uh, there was a controversial play in this one where Tyreek Hill scored a touchdown in the fourth um, to make it 18-20. to 20, And he took his helmet off right away. It's supposed to be a 15-yard penalty. So that means that they would have had to go for two from the 17 instead of the two-yard line because um, they had they had to go to two for two to try and tie it. Uh, no penalty was called, so they got to go for two from the two. They got it, went to overtime, and uh, Butker bangs a 58-yarder to win the game. Um, first, it was a 53-yarder, and there was like a false start or something. He had made it, so he has to kick it again. He goes to kick the 58-yarder. Chargers call timeout, even though he made it. Then he kicks it again and makes it. So he makes 53, 58, 58 all in a row. Got to be huge for his confidence. It's probably going to mean some things for the Chiefs going forward that they have a kicker with now one of like the highest confidence rates. Just got that uh, like the guy in bat, the irrational confidence type guy, where he just he's going to go out there and think he can make everything. Uh, Chiefs two and zero, so they're tied with the Raiders for the division lead there. And we'll move over to my team, the Ravens. Put it to the Texans. Uh, T.J. Fort had a nice. Defensive touchdown where he dove for the pylon and just got in. Uh, Ravens were up 20-10 to 10 at halftime and then put it to him in the second half. They win 33-16. Uh, 
Uh, Gus Edwards had two back-to-back nice runs. Lamar just is dirty. Uh, J.K. Dobbins had a nice run at the end of the game to seal it. They ran this weird like wildcat thing with Mark Ingram on fourth and one from the 30, I want to say, heading in, right around there. And he just went off the left side and pretty much untouched, ran through the defense, ran in for a touchdown. That was a pretty cool play. Uh, Ravens just they controlled this game through its entirety. And Texans, it's been rough for them having to go up against the Chiefs and the Ravens. I don't think it's going to get any easier because the Texans have one of the hardest schedules to start. Maybe a little bit easier with how the Vikings have looked, but it's at Chiefs versus Ravens, at Steelers versus the Vikings. That's really not how you want to play your first month of the season. Um, Texans fall to 0-2. Ravens are now 2-0, which is pretty awesome if you ask me. And then what ended up being the game of the week? Well, and I think we mentioned that it would be. It's Hawks-Patriots. Um, lots of Hawks fans felt some type of comeback or retribution for how this game finished because it gets down to the end. It's one play because there's like two seconds left and the ball's on the one, two-yard line. And the Patriots try and run it in down by five. Cam gets stopped. Marshawn Lynch style are like the opposite. But and the Patriots were stopped at the goal line at the end of the game by the Seahawks, and the Seahawks get the 35-30 to 30 win. Uh, Landon told me that he missed Cam Newton. Newton looked really good in this game, 30-44 for 44 with 397 yards. He was able to have some great chemistry with Julian Edelman, who had a career-high 179 yards. Um, and he kind of took it to Jamal Adams a couple times, showing that, yeah, Jamal Adams is probably the best safety in the NFL but sometimes just that veteran wiliness of Jamal Adams had mentioned that because he was on the Jets and he played the Patriots twice a year that he knew Edelman never went deep. So there were a couple times where Edelman ran fake slant in route type plays and Adams bit and Edelman just broke downfield. Uh, he beat him deep and almost scored a touchdown for I think it was the Patriots last score of the game where he was down by his head touching the ground at like the one yard line and he flipped into the end zone. The Seahawks end up going, getting the win 35 30. So they're two and zero. Pats are one and one, but Hey, really you can say maybe it's a good loss for either team in this one, whoever would have lost, but there's lots of good things to take from a nice close game like this. Even if it isn't a loss. Uh, that talked about the Monday night game, opened it up with that Raiders two and saints one and one. Um, just kind of have to wonder if the saints are going to be okay, especially with some of their injuries with Michael Thomas being out and, um, Michael Thomas. Yeah. Michael Thomas is out. Drew Brees' shoulder looks a little rough. Um, I think they lost a couple more guys in this game and, I could keep talking about football through Thursday night game and it wouldn't even matter because you have the Dolphins at the Jaguars. And I don't think anyone other than maybe Alex just to watch Mike Giusecki and Teddy to watch the Jaguars wants to see this game. Uh, Jaguars, <laughs> if they win because it's against the Dolphins, they could be 2-1. And one. and it's not something you would have expected, especially when the Jaguars had like the lowest over-under in football coming into the season. To be at 2-1 and one after three weeks would be huge for them. Uh, maybe not so much for the teams who or fans who want to see them be good in the future because you want to get a good draft pick. But hey, it's kind of nice to see your team win regardless of if you want them to or not. And 
The first game on the list for Sunday morning is a weird one. Bears are 2-0. Falcons are 0-2. The game's in Atlanta, and Atlanta's a three-and-a-half-point favorite. That kind of means that Vegas has them as even, but you just got to think that the Bears are going to get smoked in this game by the Falcons. Matt Ryan's thrown for 730 yards already. Calvin Ridley's got 240 yards and four touchdowns on the season. And the Bears just don't... I know they're 2-0, but you beat the Lions who go full Lions. You never go full Lions. And they beat the Giants without Saquon, and they barely won those two games. I've said it a bunch of times, a win's a win, but I don't think they're going to get it here, and I think the Falcons take the W. And then it's our first 2-0 versus 2-0 matchup of the season. You got the Rams traveling to Buffalo to play the Bills. One of the things you always talk about, we've mentioned it on the podcast, and you hear pundits anywhere say it, traveling to the East Coast from the West Coast to play a game is very difficult. Uh, Part of it's that time change. You're playing at 10 in the morning. It's going to be tough. West Coast teams never start that early when they're playing at home. They always play in the afternoon game. You just got to worry with the Rams, with going up against the Buffalo Bills defense, even though it didn't look great last week against Miami. Are they going to be able to do enough against that defense? Uh, Josh Allen's looked really good. And that maybe a team getting to prep for uh, the Rams running backs with Cam Akers out, a guy like Malcolm Brown, are they going to be able to prep for them and stop them? Or are the Rams going to be able to hit them with that one-two punch and do enough to win in Buffalo? I don't think they are. I'm going with the Bills to win here too. So just home team so far. Uh, Football team at the Browns. If this isn't a pooper bowl, I don't know what is. Um, You got the Browns and the football team. Come on. Browns are big favorites here. Uh, I kind of like Washington's front seven to really mess with Mayfield. Uh, 62 attempts and only 400 yards on the year for Mayfield. That's not a good ratio. To be at like 6.2 on your yards per attempt is not good. Um, If Washington can contain Chubb and Hunt, who had huge games on Thursday night, I think Washington can get this win on the road. And if you're one of the gambling types, Cleveland's a seven-point favorite, so taking the football team to cover is probably the right call here. Um, Titans at Vikings. Titans, Titans are a much better team than the Vikings right now. You have to wonder if the Vikings are missing Stephon Diggs. Yeah, Thielen is a great receiver, but just do they have enough weapons in the passing game with Cousins' up-and-downness to be able to get it done? And you see teams every year that just kind of don't show up during the year. They're projected to go 9-7 and seven or whatever and end up going like 5-11. and 11. And that could be the Vikings this year. So I'm, I got the Titans here with the win on the road as the two-and-a-half-point favorites. And then Raiders at Patriots. Since this game just finished up, there isn't a line on it yet. Uh, I know you can find it some places, but ESPN doesn't have it right now. Yeah, Raiders are 2-0, and but they're going to New England. New England's probably going to be five-and-a-half-point favorites, something like that. Another West Coast traveling to East Coast playing early game. Yeah, I know it's one on the East Coast, but it's just that 10 o'clock start for the West Coast team. Really, you're starting your day on the field at like 7 o'clock, so you're waking up at 5 o'clock or something like that. It's just not something that the NFL players' bodies are that used to. Um, So I got the Patriots here at home behind another good game from Cam Newton. 
Uh, first week he showed he could do it on the ground. That second week he showed he could do it on the ground. He's got 26 rushes for 122 yards and four touchdowns. And he's also thrown for 550 yards. Newton's quietly having a great season, um, or at least a little more quiet than you would think. And I like Newton to continue his, I don't know if he could get like most improved, but if Patriots start winning, maybe take a game from Buffalo when they play. If they're sitting at like 7-3, and three, you're starting to start hearing some Cam Newton MVP buzz. And that was a big dark horse at the beginning of the year to throw some money on him as MVP. A game that looked like it would be a lot better. Niners at Giants. But quarterbacks out. D Lyman out. Saquon out. Just don't bet on this game. Don't watch this game. If it comes on red zone, yay. But stay away from Niners Giants. Uh, Giants get their first one at home. 0-2 versus 0-2. Bengals at Eagles. I got to think that the Eagles, just from being the more veteran team, get the win here. Uh, Wentz is not having a great year, even though he's had to throw a ton. Wentz has had to throw 85 times already. I don't think that's what you want to do with a guy who's so injury prone. Kind of wonder if the Eagles, like the Vikings, one of those two teams is going to be the one that finishes the year very poorly. Uh, So why not go for it? Bengals get the win. Burrow gets his first W. Now, even though this one is 0-2 versus 2-0, I think it has a chance to be, like, it's it's probably, it's definitely the game of the morning and has a chance to be the best game on Sunday, possibly. There's a couple at the end of the day that could upset it, but 0-2 Texans at the 2-0 Steelers. Yeah, Texans are 0-2, but Chiefs, Ravens, the two best teams in the AFC, some would make the argument in the NFL, yeah, it stinks going 0-2, but losing to them, most teams would. On the other side, the Steelers, they've looked not bad. Uh, Benny Snell's got 120 yards on the year. Connor's got 110 yards on the year or something. It says Snell's the leading runner, which I didn't know because Connor had 108 last week, 106. Uh, Deontay Johnson's looked good. You still got Juju, who's got a few touchdowns. Claypool's doing well so far. You still have Eric Ebron for the Steelers, who's a nice weapon at tight end. Uh, he had that fantastic year in Indy, what, two years ago? And with the Texans, you just got to wonder if, especially with Will Fuller, if he's hammy's acting up, if he's not able to play, if they have enough weapons to do anything against the Steelers, who just they've kind of always had a great defense. They had a few years there where the name was better than the product, but the Steelers look like they have a, a pretty good defense now, and I don't know if the Texans are going to be able to do enough. And... Unfortunately for them, I think they're going to start 0-3. It's really not their fault. You're playing who the three teams that many predicted would finish 1-2-3 in the AFC. Not in ranking, but in record. In the Chiefs, the Ravens, and the Steelers. So the Steelers get the win here and go to 3-0. You need to jump up to the afternoon games. Uh, Jets at Colts, home of the famous Sam Darnold for Quentin Nelson trade that the Colts definitely won even though I still like Darnold. Um, Quentin Nelson's a monster. The Colts are 10.5-point favorites. you got to be a little nervous with those big spreads with backdoor covers. It's really easy to have a game that's 31-14, to uh, 14, and then they score a touchdown, and it's 31-21, something like that, and they cover. But the Colts should win this game. Jets haven't looked good, especially with Le'Veon Bell out. Uh, not a lot of weapons. I think I saw it like Jamison Crowder's hurt. So the Colts should win this game, and they should win it fairly easily. Um, Don't know who's starting for the Chargers. They said even though Herbert looked good, that 
the job was Tyrod Taylor's as long as he was healthy for the time being, at least that he had played well enough to earn it. And they weren't going to take it away from him just from an injury, especially a weird one like that. Uh, Panthers at chargers. I, I can't pick the Panthers to win if McCaffrey's not playing. It's just not, I don't understand why you would. Um, I like Bridgewater. He only has one touchdown pass through 76 pass attempts. Um, Robbie Anderson's having a nice year for Carolina. Having Robbie Anderson and Moore is a nice combo, but it's just not enough. And the Chargers take it to the Panthers here in this game. Uh, Bucks Broncos. The Broncos. It's like the same thing we said with some of these other teams. The Broncos with without Drew Locke, without Sutton, just without some of these weapons. Like you already don't have Von Miller, um, and the Buccaneers and their coaching staff getting to plan for Driscoll. The Buccaneers should win this game. Maybe it's low scoring over under 43 Tampa's favored by six. I could see it being a 24 17 game where Tampa covers and hits the under. Um, it's a tough combo to take is the cover and the under, but I could see it here with the Bucks winning this game and the Broncos falling to Owen three. Uh, Arizona's only five and a half point favorites against the lions. I see Arizona, and it's at home. It's at Arizona. So Vegas only has them as two and a half points better than the Lions. I want to say with how good Arizona's looked and how dumb Detroit has looked, that Arizona wins this game, walks away with it. Something like, the, what would it be, 34 to 20? Uh, maybe they even score more than that. That offense has looked really good. Kyler Murray's got 160 yards on the ground. Hopkins has 22 catches for 220 yards already. And a big thing with the Lions is we want them to be good. I think almost everybody likes Stafford. But you have to remember, they fired Jim Caldwell after he went 9-7. and seven. And since then, Matt Patricia's like 9-25-1. and 25 and one. That's terrible. 9-25-1. Patricia is not good. He's the reason the Lions stink. And it doesn't matter what kind of talent you have on the team. If you have a bad coach, you're not going to win games. And that's what's going to happen here. Lions fall to 0-3. Cardinals win. They go 3-0. The game of the afternoon, Cowboys at Seahawks. I think we've seen this one a couple times in the playoffs over the last few years, even going back 12, 15 years to the drop extra point. Uh, it's in Seattle. Seattle's only 4.5-point favorites. Dallas just has so much talent. They've shown they can score in bunches as long as they can hold on to the ball. Uh, Seattle looks like they might have found just a fantastic weapon in Metcalf. The dude, he's looking like he can run routes. He's so big and powerful. It's just hard to contain. Even Gilmore was having trouble with him. And when you're built like Calvin Johnson or David Boston or just one of these monster guys, there's not a lot you can do, especially when he can just run past you also. Like, yeah, a guy who is 6'5", 230, but runs a 4'8", okay, maybe you can contend with that because you can keep him in front of you. But when the guy runs a 4'4", it's hard to do anything with him. And if Metcalf can continue to have that chemistry with Russell Wilson, it's going to be a really nice year for Seahawks fans. But on the other side, you're going up against Cooper and Lamb and Elliott and Gallup and Dak and a coach for the Cowboys who actually knows what he's doing now, potentially in McCarthy as compared to the clapper. And you're getting into a stretch here at good games. I don't know if it's going to be the game of the week, if it's going to be the best game on Sunday, but it's going to be a close one. Seahawks love to play close games, especially at home. Uh, 
I could see this being a field goal game uh, somewhere 31-28, some 30-27, something like that. And with it being at home, I don't, the Seahawks, it's just that home field advantage isn't the same without the fans there. Uh, you can only pump up your decibel level to 70 regardless of where you're playing. So like Seattle, Kansas City, some of the loud stadiums lose that advantage. But I'm still going to go with the Hawks win here, I think. And the Cowboys fall to 1-2. and two. What looked like it might be the game of the week, at least for Sunday, is Packers at Saints. You have to hope that Drew Brees starts to get warmed up a little bit and looks better uh, in tonight's game. I think I forgot to mention it earlier, but Emmanuel Sanders didn't have a catch until the end of the fourth quarter. Without Michael Thomas, he's your number one receiver. I don't know what's going on there. If Maybe it's just because he's new. He doesn't have the chemistry with Breeze. But they need to figure it out on offense because you need to put up points against the Packers because the Packers have scored and scored and scored. Off the top of my head, I want to say it's like 87 points or something. They put up 40-plus against the Vikings. They put up 42 against the Lions. The Saints have a better defense than both of those teams together. But you're still going to need to put up points to beat the Packers. The Packers are going to score like 27 probably. So you need to score high 20s, 30 points, something like that to beat the Packers. Um, especially being in the dome. Games are a little bit faster on turf. you got to be able to shut down Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams if he's healthy, and Aaron Rodgers who is angry after they took Jordan Love. Um, that being said, still going with the Saints, playing at home. Drew Brees gets the win here on Sunday night. Um, and I tried to hype some of the other games up, but this one's the game of the week, at least heading into it. Hopefully it ends up being that. But Chiefs at Ravens Monday night. Uh, Vegas has it as Ravens three and a half, so they have them as even. Ravens get that extra half point when they're at home. Chiefs haven't looked great, but they've done enough. Um, they started off rough against the Texans again and then put them away. Thursday night game, kind of weird. They didn't look good against the Chargers. Ravens have looked great all year, which worries me a little bit. Uh, but Lamar Jackson's a monster. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had an okay game last week after the great week or great game to open the season. Um, but it's just the Chiefs have so many weapons. You get that extra day of planning, maybe starting to get a little familiarity between these two teams, knowing that they're the top two in the AFC, most likely. Um, and we're going to be in for a great game. I think it helps that the Ravens have a guy like Calais Campbell now, like Patrick Queen, just a beast on the D-line, a faster coverage linebacker now who can help with guys like Hilaire and just clog the middle a little bit. Um, you know I'm going with the Ravens here. I kind of have to. I wouldn't be allowed back on my own pod podcast if I went against them. Um, I think the Ravens win this game. It's going to be close. It's going to be a good game. It's what we want on a Monday night. It'd just be awesome to see this game be close the entire time. Don't want to see a crazy shootout. Like, yeah, the 50 to 47 games or whatever they are. Like, uh, was it Chiefs-Rams maybe a few years ago? Where there was like 100 points scored. Those are cool. But to see this game be like in the 20s, 27, 21, 27, 24, something like that, where there's defense and offense, like back and forth, game planning, all that would be fantastic. And I think that's the kind of game we're going to get on Monday night is the Ravens get the win here against the Chiefs, go to 3-0, and get a nice handle on the one seed in what has become a much bigger deal because only one team gets a bye now. So I'm taking the Ravens to win, 
and that'll do it for the games, both for recaps and previews. Um, reminder, if you have a question, go ahead and throw it up on Facebook. If you have a Twitter, you can put it on there. Um, our podcast is up plenty of places for you guys to listen to. Uh, we post it on Anchor and on Patreon. Uh, it also gets linked over to places like Spotify, Stitcher, uh, Tuned In, iTunes. So whether you have iPhones or Samsungs or you just have a computer or whatever it is. I, sorry, I don't think it works on flip phones for any of you old people. But the podcast is everywhere. Make sure to give us a listen. If you like what you're hearing, head on over to Patreon and support us. But uh, thanks for listening. Eagle.